morning. I got more than you did, Kurt. <laughs> Good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. And certainly it's a privilege to be able to stand before you once again. We have been studying for this month on the theme of aspiring for spiritual greatness. We've looked at some of the greatest things that we could possibly study in Scripture. Some of the things that we refer to as the greatest. First of all, we started with the greatness of humility and how only those who are humble can enter into the kingdom of heaven. We've also looked at the greatness of the sacrifice of Christ and how it was the greatest sacrifice that was ever made for us and and how He gave His life on our behalf. Today we're talking about the greatest of gift being love. And this is going to kind of lead into next week when we study the greatest command, which is again love, but we'll look at it from a different standpoint. But today we're going to look at why love is considered the greatest gift. And why love is the greatest thing for us to possess within our lives. In regard to Christianity, there are three things that stand out as most necessary. Faith, hope, and love. You might ask the question, is one of these any more important than the other? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, as was our scripture reading, in that verse it says, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Even greater than faith, even greater than hope, it says here that the greatest of these three things is love. Our lesson objectives for this morning are to determine why love is mentioned here as the greatest gift ever given. And also to learn from God's love for us to apply love to everyday life. To begin our lesson, I wanted us to look at faith and hope in particularly, And look at these a little more in depth here. Look at faith and hope and how they are necessary to Christianity. We begin with faith. If I were to ask you of some of the things that, that we could not do without in regard to Christianity, faith is probably one of the first things mentioned. You have to have faith in order to be a Christian, right? Well, faith, if we really look at faith, we understand that without faith, Christianity doesn't exist. One must believe to be obedient to the plan of salvation. To be obedient to God, we must believe in God. Otherwise, there's nothing that we can do. We have to believe. We also understand that faith is the beginning of faithfulness to God and His Word. Our faithfulness, our living a faithful life begins with that foundation of belief. That we believe that God exists, we believe that Jesus is His Son, we believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe in these three, and we are willing to serve God to the best of our ability. By faith, we can believe in what and who we cannot see, that being God. 
any hopes that we have in the promises of God are also made up of faith. One of the foundational verses of faith that we find in Scripture is in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Uh, this is one of the best definitions that we could give. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. In order to believe, those beliefs have to be founded around something. Usually we can see things and believe that they are so. So we have to have some kind of evidence as far as sight is concerned. Well, God we cannot see. But because we have faith, we can still believe that He exists. The same way with our hopes. Our hopes have to be made of something. And faith is what they're made of. Because we believe that God exists, we believe in the promises that He's given, and so we can, can believe that all these things come together through faith. If you really think about it, what, what is life without faith? What, what are we as Christians without faith? A life without faith is a life without God. A life without His Son who died for us and the Word that He has given to us. For us as Christians, I think we understand that a life without faith would be pretty well meaningless for us. Because we have put so much into our faith and so much into serving God. But a life without faith is a life without Him and anything that He has given us. Faith is a necessity in regard to Christianity. We cannot have Christianity apart from faith. Would it seem that in that light, that faith would be most important. It's the very foundation of Christianity. You can't have Christianity and not have faith. It's got to be the greatest, right? Well, let's keep studying here. Let's look at hope. Where would we be as far as Christianity is concerned without hope? Would our lives of service to God matter in any way if we had no hope? You know, hope is, is what drives us. It's what, what gives us reason for the things that we believe and the things that we do. And without hope, there is no reason to become a Christian. What purpose is there in me believing in God if I don't have any hope of anything left? Any of the promises that God has given us... Well, what about those? Where would I be without hope? You know, if I don't have a goal to look at, if I don't have something to reach for, then what good is faith? Well, maybe hope is the greatest. Hmm. A life without hope. If we have a life without hope, it means that there are no promises made by God to man. 
no promise of heaven or eternity or any of the th those things that we look to in God. There's, there's nothing there. Okay, we may believe in God, but if there's no goal, there's no purpose. Hope needs faith in order to exist. Again, we understand, going back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. All of our hopes and dreams in God and in Christ are made up of faith. Because we believe in God, we believe in His promises. And hope is nothing without faith. So we need those things in order to be Christians. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says that without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Uh, again, that reward is what we look to. That's our goal. And that's, that's what drives us. That's what keeps us serving God. It keeps us faithful. So we've got to have hope also. One cannot have Christ without faith and hope. So, maybe it's a toss-up between the two. Maybe one of these is the greatest, okay? You've got to have faith, obviously. But you also have to have some kind of hope to, to kind of uh, rationalize the, the faith that we have. So, maybe these two together make up the greatest thing that we find in, in Christianity. We've got to have one or the other. We've got to have both, really. But though they are necessary for Christianity, neither is considered the greatest gift ever given to man. Isn't that interesting? That even though we have to have faith, and even though we have to have hope, and we've got to have them working together, still, this is not the greatest. Neither of these is the greatest. In regard to Christianity. There's one more thing that we have to have as far as Christianity is concerned. Aside from faith and hope. And that's love. The greatest of these is love. So many times we read in scripture of, of People that missed the point. And I think to the churches of Asia, the seven churches that the letters were written to, because some of them focused so much on the word that they forgot about love. We have to have love in order to be Christians. If we don't have love... <coughs> We can go through the motions. We can do exactly what God has said to do. We can follow His commands to the best of our ability. But if there's no love behind it, then we're missing something. Because love really is necessary 
Christianity is faith and hope? Absolutely. But what is it about love that makes it the greatest? Let me suggest to you that love is the foundation of Christianity. Faith is part of that and hope as well, but, but love is really the foundation of Christianity. Christianity begins, really, with love. Let's notice John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And some of these verses we've used in the last couple of lessons that we've had. But we use them as review, if you will. John 3, verse 16, is a verse that probably all of us can quote from memory. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you may remember it a little bit differently depending on the translation that you use. But everybody knows John 3.16. As a matter of fact, uh, lately I've seen a couple of shirts that just have John 3.16 on them because we know what the verse is. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now think, what if God hadn't loved what if God didn't love the world the way that He did? If God didn't love the way that He loves us, even going back to Adam and Eve, or maybe the flood, we could see a God that may destroy the world completely. But love is the very foundation of Christianity because, because of that love. It's because of that love that God has for mankind, the people that He created, flaws and all. It's because of His love for mankind that He was willing to give His Son as a perfect sacrifice. That was the only way to atone for our sins. And so God, because of that love, was willing to give His Son to die for us. If God hadn't loved, Christianity would not be. Because God would never have sent His Son in the way that He did. But because God loved the world as He did, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish. doesn't mean that they won't perish, but they should not perish because the sacrifice has been offered if they're willing to be obedient. But whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. That wasn't Jesus' purpose. It wasn't to come and condemn the world. But His purpose was that the world through Him might be saved. That was His purpose in coming. God could have sent Jesus to condemn the world and destroy it. 
He could have destroyed it in many other occasions, but he didn't because he loved mankind. And because he loved man, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. He sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the foundation of Christianity. And it begins with God loving man. Again, looking back into history, we find so many occasions that God could have rightly destroyed His creation. Christianity would not be if God didn't love the world from the start. Go back to Adam and Eve. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Let's begin with verse 8. In Genesis chapter 3, we read of the very first sin in Scripture. We see that the serpent came and he spoke to Eve and he said, well, you know, what about this fruit over here on this, this tree? Looks good, doesn't it? And Eve told him, she told him plainly, you know, we're not supposed to eat of that fruit. God said that, that we can eat of, of all the trees of the garden except for, for this one tree and, and we're, we're not supposed to eat that fruit. But the serpent kept on and, and he convinced her that maybe this isn't such a big deal. Well, if you eat of this fruit, it'll, it'll make you like God. Maybe it's not so bad. And so she ate of the tree. She ate of the fruit. And not only did she eat of the fruit, but she also gave it to Adam. Adam ate of the fruit. And they sinned against God. And we read in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I can imagine the feeling that they might have had. They realized that what they had done was wrong. And I can remember times in my life when I remember doing something wrong and I could hear my dad coming down the hall or something of that nature. It scares you, doesn't it? You've done something wrong and you hear your parents coming and Oh, we're in for it now. Brace yourself. Well, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid. Have you ever hid from your parents? I'm sure we've all done that at some point. Well, he and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They're afraid. And the Lord God called Adam and said, Where are you? Not that God didn't know where he was. He knew exactly where they were. And in verse 10, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and, and I hid myself. They were ashamed. They were afraid of what might happen. Maybe afraid of, of how God will view them. 
But, but God says in verse 11, and He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, those famous words, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. So it's, it's either Eve's fault or it's your fault for giving her to me because she made me do it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Neither of them really took the blame for what they had done. They knew it was wrong, but they didn't take the blame. They passed it off to someone else. And because of this sin, we read this in verse 16. Because of what they had done, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are. And to dust you shall return. And then in verse 22. Then the Lord God said. Behold the man has become like one of us. To know good and evil and... Now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. They ruined it. They were in the perfect Garden of Eden. They were, were, were able to live in, a, in what we might refer to as a paradise. The only thing that they were told not to do is to eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil and they did it. They ruined it. I believe God would have been justified had He destroyed them there. They had done wrong. They had sinned against Him. That was the one thing that, that He could not have between Him and His creation was sin and they spoiled it. But He didn't. He didn't destroy them because He loved them. Now there were consequences to their actions but God loved them and so He allowed them to live. We'll look at Noah in the book of Genesis chapter 6 and especially verses 5 through 8. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is even worse than Adam and Eve. This is all they're thinking about. This is all they're planning is evil. It's it's all a world of evil. 
And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There's so much in that one short verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because God loved him. He still loved his creation. He still loved his people. Especially those that served him. He still loved them. And he wanted them to continue to serve him. But he loved Noah. He was grieved in his heart because he had created man. And he says, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. I am sorry that I made them. But he loved Noah. And because God loved Noah, he told him to build an ark to spare his family. If God had no love for man, He would have destroyed him long ago. If God didn't love the world, He would not have sent His Son to earth. Jesus faced temptation, heartache, ridicule, persecution, and even death for man. Whom God loved. But Jesus would not have endured except that it was His Father's will. I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus wouldn't have gone to the cross had it not been for His Father's will and His Father's love for man. That was John 5 and verse 30. Without Christianity, through the love of God, faith, and hope are also meaningless. You ever thought about that? There would be no reason for faith or hope if we had no love. Without the love of God, it wouldn't have ever been. There, there would be no purpose there for faith or hope. But God gave us a way to reach our final reward if we believe and obey, which is through faith. Without love, faith and hope are meaningless. Faith leading to obedience is nothing without salvation. Salvation comes through the blood of Christ. And Christ would not have been sent if God didn't love the world. Hope of eternal life with God would never be without Christ's sacrifice. That wouldn't have happened apart from God's love. And even the basis of Christianity and what it's founded on is love for God and love for one another. And we'll get into it more next week, but in Matthew 22 and verses 37 through 40, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that we believe in, everything that we do as Christians is founded on a love for God and love for mankind system. And how would Christians ever know how to love if Jesus hadn't taught them by word and by his example? I try not to go too deep into this because we're going to talk more about the greatest command next week. I didn't want to get into those lessons. But I think we can understand just from the things that we have pointed out today that love is the greatest for very good reason. Without love, faith and hope are meaningless. If there's no love in our lives, then are we really the Christians that we need to be? In Christ's sacrifice, we see the love of God, the Father, as well as the love of His Son. Jesus sacrifices the greatest example of love. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. John 15 and verse 13. Jesus would never have come to earth except for the love of the Father for mankind. Love is by far the greatest gift ever given. Because of love, Jesus did offer himself as a sacrifice for us so that we might be saved. But we can only be saved if it's our choice. God does not force us to be Christians. He does not force us to serve him. If we are slaves to God, it's only because it's our choice. It's our decision. Are you a Christian? Have you been obedient to the gospel plan of salvation? Realizing God's love for you and the love of His Son for you, have you offered your life as a sacrifice to Him? It begins through faith, belief in God, and it leads us into obedience and to repentance and confession. We believe that Christ is the Son of God and baptism for the remission of our sins. But we also have to remain faithful. We also do that out of love. But maybe it is that you're not a child of God or you're not a faithful child of God. And if that's something that needs to change in your life today, do you love God enough to put your love into action and do the things that He has commanded us to do? If you need to come in obedience or if you need to come in repentance, rededicating your life to Him, asking for forgiveness or prayer on your behalf. 
If there is something that we as a congregation can do for you today, then we give you the opportunity to come. Let's together we stand and as we sing.